Welcome to Life in Balance. I'm Ken Miles, pastor of Kitchener-Waterloo Christian Fellowship. We all know that life can be hectic, and sometimes its demands can pull us off balance. The good news is that God has given practical insights in His Word for keeping life on an even keel, despite the pressures we may face. This program is designed to help us understand and apply God's wisdom in our everyday lives. Good day, everyone. We have been talking about the four aspects of God's life that comes forth through us as Christians. And we have used this word again, life, L-I-F-E, to express love, integrity, forgiveness, and excellence. God wants these four aspects of his life to shine forth through us. And we've been talking about integrity over the last number of days. Now, I was going to go on to the third one, forgiveness, but because it's Friday and the last day of the week, and I thought, well, why don't we just do one more day on integrity and begin forgiveness on Monday? So that's what we're going to do. I went back through some of my files and readings that I had and just pulled out some illustrations on integrity. So this is going to be a little different today, and I hope that you will enjoy it as we just talk about integrity from different aspects and angles here to illustrate the points that we have already made. Now remember that we said integrity is living up to all that you know or confessing to God and others where you come short. Now as a pastor, it's especially important that we maintain our integrity because we're to be examples to the flock. Now I came across this little story and we'll start on the humorous side. You may have heard this, but I think you'll enjoy it anyway. Two brothers had terrorized a small town for decades. They were unfaithful to their wives, abusive to their children, and dishonest in business. The younger brother died unexpectedly. The surviving brother went to the pastor of the local church. I'd like you to conduct my brother's funeral, he said, but it's important to me that during the service you tell everyone my brother was a saint. But he was far from that, the minister countered. The wealthy brother pulled out his checkbook. Reverend, I'm prepared to give $100,000 to your church. All I'm asking is that you publicly state that my brother was a saint. The pastor thought long and hard for a moment, then said to the man, Okay, I'll take your check. Now I suppose this would be quite a temptation for any pastor because we're always short of funds and needing money for the church. How was this pastor going to do this and keep his integrity? Well, on the day of the funeral, the pastor began his eulogy this way. Everyone here knows that the deceased was a wicked man, a womanizer, and a drunk. He terrorized his employees and cheated on his taxes. Then he paused. But as evil and sinful as this man was, compared to his older brother, he was a saint. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that that's just a story, but here's one that's told is true. In Becoming a Contagious Christian, Bill Hybels and Mark Middleberg tell this story. A newly promoted colonel had moved into a makeshift office during the Gulf War. He was just getting on packed when out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a private with a toolbox coming his way. Wanting to seem important, he grabbed the phone. Yes, General Schwarzkopf. Of course I think that's an excellent plan. He continued, You've got my support on it. Thanks for checking with me. Let's touch base again soon, Norm. Goodbye. And what can I do for you, he asked the private. Um, I'm just here to hook up your phone. Now that's certainly a way to make yourself look important. 
I tell you, honesty is always the best policy. This next story certainly illustrates that. Coming home from work, a woman stopped at the corner deli to buy a chicken for supper. The butcher reached into a barrel, grabbed the last chicken he had, flung it on the scales behind the counter, and told the woman its weight. She thought for a moment, I really need a bit more chicken than that, she said. Do you have any larger ones? Without a word, the butcher put the chicken back into the barrel, groped around as though finding another, pulled the same chicken out and placed it on the scales. This chicken weighs one pound more, he announced. The woman pondered her options and then said, Okay, I'll take them both. Now these stories make us chuckle, but I'm afraid that there is just a little bit of an edge of truth in a lot of them as we look at our own lives and how we handle situations and how we try to make ourselves important, maybe stretch the truth a little bit more than what we really should. Here's another incident. In the magazine boardroom reports in the July 15, 1993 issue, Peter Levine writes, When the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey ran a help-wanted ad for electricians with expertise at using SunTag connectors, it got 170 responses, even though there's no such thing as a SunTag connector. The authority ran the ad to find out how many applicants falsify resumes. You know, it doesn't matter how many in the world are dishonest and stretch the truth. We really need to practice integrity. And integrity that's not just selective, that has integrity in one area of our life, but not in another area of our life. Here's an illustration of that. Charles Swindle, in Growing Deep in the Christian Life, writes about a man who bought fried chicken dinners for himself and his date late one afternoon. The attendant at the fast food outlet, however, inadvertently gave him the proceeds from the day's business, a bag of money, much of it cash, instead of fried chicken. After driving to their picnic site, Swindle writes, the two of them sat down to enjoy some chicken. They discovered a whole lot more than chicken, over $800. But he was unusual. He quickly put the money back in the bag. They got back into the car and drove all the way back. Mr. Clean got out, walked in, and became an instant hero. By then, the manager was frantic. The guy with the bag of money looked the manager in the eye and said, I want you to know I came by to get a couple of chicken dinners and wound up with all this money here. While the manager was thrilled to death, he said, Let me call the paper. I'm going to have your picture put in the local paper. You're one of the most honest men I've ever heard of. To which the man quickly responded, Oh, no, 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 don't do that. Then he leaned closer and whispered, You see, the woman I'm with is not my wife. She's somebody else's wife. Well, the man wasn't quite as honest as it appeared. You know, if you're going to be honest in one area, and yet you have a total breakdown of integrity in another area, it's not going to profit you. It's like trying to blow up a balloon with a hole in it. The benefits of integrity are many-fold. It affects our own life, profits us, but also it gives a heritage for others, and it can bless ongoing generations. Bill Gaither, the great songwriter, speaks about this in his book, I Almost Missed the Sunset. 
Here he tells of a time when he and Gloria had been married just a few years and they wanted to buy a piece of property. And they went to the owner, but the owner was just adamant that he was not going to sell him the property. But in the process, he asked Bill, he said, Your name's Gaither. Are you any relation to Grover Gaither? And Bill said, Yes, he's my grandfather. And the man said, Well, he used to work for me, and he was the best worker I ever had. He was so honest, I could always trust him. He had such great integrity. And on the basis of that, he not only sold the property to Bill, but he sold it at a greatly reduced rate. Here, Bill Gaither was benefiting from the integrity of his grandfather so many years later. Another Bill, Bill Hybels, who is the pastor of one of the largest churches in North America, speaks of a time when his integrity was questioned. He writes, One evening I stopped by the church just to encourage those who were there rehearsing for the spring musical. I didn't intend to stay long, so I parked my car next to the entrance. After a few minutes, I ran back to my car and drove home. The next morning, I found a note in my office mailbox. It read, A small thing, but Tuesday night when you came to rehearsal, you parked in the no parking area. A reaction from one of my crew, who did not recognize you until after you got out of the car, was, There's another jerk parking in the no parking area. We try hard not to allow people, even workers, to park anywhere other than the parking lots. I would appreciate your cooperation too. It was signed by a member of our maintenance staff. I'm sorry to report this staff member is no longer with us. He was late coming back for lunch the next day and we had to let him go. You have to draw the line somewhere. No, I'm I'm kidding. Actually, he's still very much with us and his stock went up in my book because he had the courage to write me about what could have been a slippage in my character. And he was right on the mark. As I drove up that night, I had thought, I shouldn't park here, but after all, I am the pastor. That translates, I'm an exception to the rules. But that employee wouldn't allow me to sneak down the road labeled, I'm an exception. I'm not the exception to church rules, nor am I the exception to sexual rules, or financial rules, or any of God's rules. As a leader, I am not an exception. I am to be the example. According to scriptures, I am to live in such a way that I can say, follow me, park where I park, live as I live. That's why we all need people like my staff members to hold us accountable in even the smallest matters. Because when we keep the minor matters in line, we don't stumble over the larger ones. Just when I was starting to think, I'm an exception, somebody on our staff cared enough to say, Don't do it, Bill. Not even in one small area. You know, when you think about ministers that have a good name, Billy Graham comes immediately to mind. And here's a man who has served the Lord and preached for decades and decades, and yet there has not been one trace of scandal around him or his entire ministry team. And that is incredible. But it didn't come by chance. Back in 1948, when they were in the city of Modesto, He sat down with his ministry team and they actually wrote a manifesto that was going to guide their ministry for the years to come. And they took into account four points. Money, sexual temptations, how they were going to talk and treat local churches, and how they were going to publicize their meetings and the results of their meetings. And Billy Graham writes that they were determined that they were going to keep their integrity and not fall into the pitfalls that other ministries had. In later years, as Billy Graham looked back at that time, he said, That meeting that we had in writing out that manifesto settled in our hearts and minds once and for all 
the determination that integrity would be the hallmark of our lives and ministry. Well, well done, Billy Graham. You are an example to us all. That's all the time we have for today. We'll be back on Monday. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Before I go, the material I'm covering now on the program is from my book, Is There More to Life Than Living? It is available for purchase on Amazon or from the church office. Get it for yourself or to pass on to a friend. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. But as you know, we are not meeting there right now due to the coronavirus. Instead, we are streaming our Sunday service online starting at 10.30. Go to our website at kwcf.org to check out all the details. We are living through difficult times right now, but the Bible tells us to cast all of our care on Him, for He cares for us. So till next time, let God keep your life in balance.